Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. We are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today, we have a fellow Northwesterner. We don't have a lot of the Pacific Northwest guys on this show, but I am super excited to have one today in Paul DeCampo over there in Coeur d'Alene. Not the same state as Washington, but you know, Idaho is close enough. So Paul, I am super excited to have you on the show. Thank you very much for hopping on. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Appreciate being on. For sure. Um, Paul is a specialist in land flipping, note investing, wholesaling, and generating leads through something that we, I don't think we've ever talked about on the show, generating leads through email. Um, I've attempted to do that in my, my past to zero success. <laughs> so I dropped, uh, I dropped email marketing and, and stuck with the uh, mailers and texting and all that jazz. But uh, Paul, I'm super excited to delve into this before we get into you know the nuts and bolts of what you do today. Let's go back to your past and talk about how you got into real estate in the first place. Yeah, definitely, man. So um, yeah, I, I, I you listed a whole number of things there. So I've done a whole lot since 2015. Uh, today, my active income is is copywriting uh, in, in the, in the real estate investing niche, mainly for, for vendors, for software companies, for print shops, for gurus, coaches, and all that. Uh, and for my own brand, Omnidrip as well. So, um, but, um, I started in 2015, like everybody else, nothing sexy, nothing ninja about it. I just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, jumped into bigger pockets with the rabbit hole that is, and, uh, and decided to just jump in doing direct mail, uh, door knocking, cold, everything under the sun, just, just attempting it. Right. And so in Southern California, yeah, I'm, I'm in North, I'm in Northwest today, but back then I was in Southern California. By chance, uh, did you, uh, um, sorry to jump into your story, but my, my first, uh, mentorship mastermind that I joined was with Matt Tyrell and he's in SoCal. Um, did you ever run into him when you were uh, working down there? Or? No, no, I didn't No, I didn't run into him. Uh, I was more mainly involved in like in the Inland Empire real estate clubs, uh, the LA club. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of did things, try to do things on my own, right? You read yeah. things online and just kind of, kind of shove a square, a square into a, in, in, into a round peg. And so, um, or vice versa, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> I was like, that and, would actually uh, work. <laughs> right? Yeah, that would actually work. Right. So, um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I struggled like a lot of people uh, starting out. I mean, because I'm I'm coming from a background of a blue collar worker. I'm, I I was in utilities. I was specifically a welder um, and specifically in pipeline construction. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, I didn't have so I had no backbone in me when it comes to sales, marketing, or anything like that. Um, so I'm out door knocking. Never done it before, you know. <laughs> And uh, door knocking in Pomona City, out of all places, kind of, if you don't know Pomona, it's kind of a, um, you know, all the gangs from LA kind of moved into Pomona. So, nice. uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a story that we got chased, a true story, we got chased by some some gangbangers. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I, I'm struggling and, and because I'm doing direct mail, spending a lot of money doing it. 
And then, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but I, I've shifted from there. I shifted from then flipping mobile homes and that worked out really well right off the bat. It, um, and, and I was looking for cash flow. So I would, I would do Lonnie deals, which are, if you're not, there's a, there's a whole book on this called from a guy named, uh, Lonnie Scruggs, um, wheels on deals is the name of the book. And it's basically, you just go into parks, you find a mobile home, you buy it with your own cash, usually five to $20,000 and you buy it cash and then put it back on the market in, in the park and then find somebody to make payments to you. Usually you can get a lot of your money back with a good down payment. So um, right. we I, actually, yeah. uh, me and my partners, we own a couple of mobile home parks and we've had a number of people come and do that. Um, I didn't know it was like a strategy that people use to as an investment strategy to go out there and make money, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, it's it has a, a ridiculously great ROI, especially if you're dealing with lower numbers. I mean, if you find something for five thousand, and depending on where you're at, of course, uh, five thousand, and then you just put another five thousand into it, and then uh, sell it for twenty thousand on a note. That's an incredible ROI on money. So, um, yeah, so it was it was good, uh, but I shifted from there because I was just tired from did a lot of shifting. Okay. So uh, at the, and at the time I was also, um, I was also uh, kind of neck deep into the whole copywriting world. I actually uh, carrot investor carrot was one of my first clients. So I was dealing with them and, uh, and so doing work for them um, and with them, with their clients. And so I uh, trend, uh, tr- transitioned from, from mobile homes into land flipping. And that did even better for me. Uh, you know, just buying raw, cheap, vacant land, putting it back on the market. And, and again, selling it on notes notes i was i was really enjoying the whole note business note origination business so uh just i like the idea you know um, get a lot of my money back and i have this cash flow that i don't ever have to maintain of course unless they default right the default gotta gotta resell it again so so that was that was pretty much like you know that that was kind of a a five-year span uh, in that um, in that span, I uh, you know was be- I kind of branched off more into copywriting. I quit I quit my W two job and I had a um, I had a, it was a really I mean it was a really good people think I'm crazy for doing it, but uh, I quit my W two job because it was a utility. It was full benefits, full retirement. I was a welder. I mean people people almost killed to get into this type of job, but I quit. Um, I quit because I just I wanted to be on my own. I wanted to be. Uh, I want to travel a lot more with my family. I wanted to live in Northwest, so I had some freelance clients that I was uh, that I had consistently. So I quit and relied on that income and my notes as well. I my my notes helped as well with that um, personal income every single month. So um, where I'm at right now is kind of the same boat. Active in active income is copywriting. I'm more of a passive investor today, where I'm I'm lending out to local investors, local flippers, always looking for cash flow deals in my local market. And um, and I have my own my own brand Omnidrip, which is a service for for investors. There you go. I love it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty unique uh, trajectory in your career, in your real estate career, um, especially since you. I mean, the Lonnie deals. That's that's pretty interesting. And flipping land, you know, I've heard a lot of good uh, experiences from there. Um, let's first start at the land flipping because that's something that a lot of people like the idea of because it is low barrier to entry in terms of the capital required. Um, so when you did land flipping, what, uh, what were your criteria? What were you looking for? How did you find the specific parcels that you were marketing to? Um, and what was the form of marketing that you're doing? Yeah, sure. Um, so 
uh, land flipping kind of takes the op is, is as far as the effort that's required, it's opposite of single family. So meaning there's a lot, I mean, I don't know how it is today. It's been a couple of years. I heard that it's, it's getting harder and harder because more people have entered into it, but, uh, it's really easy to acquire a little harder to sell it. So to acquire these things, uh, it's really about, for me, at least it was choosing, um, what, what is it about a certain area that people are want to buy in? So, so, so people are buying land for a reason. There's multiple reasons to buy land and you can, you can, they can do it for a vacation. They can do it for, um, there's an exotic place for them to go. The future dreams of putting a cabin on it, uh, take to, to off road, to, uh, put their primary house on it. Typically it's usually the, the, the reasons I listed, um, uh, when it comes to like vacation desirability of an exotic place to go to, typically I don't do land that was like put a primary house on because California was really hard to build on. So I wasn't looking for infill lots or anything like that. So I was mainly, I was mainly dealing with mountain lots because there was like this sexy appeal for city folks to have a mountain, to have this piece of land out in the mountain. And so that I, I really leveraged that. So, so to buy them, it was really easy. I mean, cause I'm, I'm, I'm paying a thousand to $2,000 for them and people don't really know what their land is worth. And it's kind of hard to, I mean, it's kind of hard to pinpoint what something is worth anyway, or what, what land is worth anyway, up in the mountains. Um, and I would just do blind offers, uh, in the mail. So I would, I would pull a list. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pull this while I'll do a circle radius, pull those, th- those owners, you know, um, get the, get the duplicates out and all that. And then, um, I would leave trusts in there. Trust would stay in that, on that list. LCs would, I would, I would try to, I would remove LCs unless my list was really small. I'd include them. And then, um, I would just mail them. And then I would have for every, I want to say 700 to 900 letters. I would have one at least I would have more than one contract, but one good contract. A lot of times you get contracts back where the, the land is kind of, it's, it's garbage. Can't do anything with it. It's landlocked or it's um huge slope. Nobody would buy it. So I would cherry pick. I'd, I'd probably get like three or five um, contracts in the mail. So I, I'd have the contract in the purchase agreement right inside of the, the mailer. And I, and I'd encourage to sign mail back. I'd encourage to email it back and I, you know, open up my mailbox and there'd be, you know, a contract here and there. So, um, so once I acquire it and I do, I would do my own title work. I would do my own, uh, uh, I wouldn't take it to an escrow because we're dealing with a thousand, two thousand dollar purchase price. Uh, I'd immediately put it back on the market. I would, I would hire somebody to go up there and, um, I had a go-to person, take videos, take pictures and, uh, and then um, I get it back. I, when I say on the market, I'm putting on Craigslist, Facebook, putting on these um, landwatch.com. There's numerous land listing uh, sites out there. So Nice. Um, and so it sounds like, uh, is this a, are you still executing the strategy or is it something that you have, you know, kind of now you're just investing passively and you're not looking uh, yeah. actively in the, in the yeah, market? Yeah, today I still have notes. I actually just defaulted on one. Uh, when there were one defaulted with me, uh, last year. So, um, I, I sold that one. I mean, I just sold it cash. I just gave it to a realtor. Um, but I haven't been acquired. I haven't acquired one in over a year. I, my focus has been, has been 100% on, on, um, 
on uh, my my brand OmniDrip, which helps uh, which helps investors create follow up systems um, on the back end, and um, that's been my number one focus. So, cool. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about OmniDrip then. Um, you know, this is as you, as you said, it's a it's a email follow up sequence, correct? So it's it's how someone would generate more leads from their current marketing um, once the the potential seller has already engaged with you and complete, jump in here if I'm telling this wrong. But yeah, first, so well, I guess just give us an overview of what OmniDrip yeah, does. So, um, yeah, definitely. It's not just email. Um, so it's just a, it's an entire system for follow up. So th- that's the biggest gap that I deal with investors is that like they 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 put a whole ton of money into uh, into acquiring leads and leads leads are expensive. Leads can be you know, if, if you're paying for it, if, you, if you're paying for it versus ads and direct mail, you can be paying um, 200 to $500 per lead. Sometimes they put all, they dump all this money into acquisitions, but like, then they forget about their data and uh, that the data in their CRM is the most important data. As long as it's fresh is the most important data on earth for them and they neglect it. And so I've been in marketing, um, for all these years, all the the whole story I was telling you about, I was also doing, had ran my own podcast, just like what you're doing. I had an info publishing business as well. Uh, so marketing has been kind of my my name of the game for me. And so, um, so I create what I do for investors is we create this system of emails, SMS buckets, sales buckets, uh, and tasks and notifications, so that when a lead comes in, they know where to put this lead uh, in their CRM. Um, that then when they put it there, it's automatically selling for them. When I say se- automatically selling, I mean, it's sending emails that, that we've put together for them, SMS um, and tasks and and some and direct mail too, if their CRM can do it. If their CRM can send out direct mail, we have direct mail follow-up too. It gets sent out inside of the CRM, so. Very cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit. I mean, you said you do a lot of copywriting and that's one of the things that, especially when it comes to direct mail, I always kind of a second guess myself on what I should be saying to these sellers. Um, we usually do postcards for the first first touch when we first send out a mailer to a list. Uh, it's going to be a postcard. Um, and now, I, I, in fact, we just sent one this morning and I completely forgot what it said, but it was pretty basic. It was like, hey, you know, my name's Gabe. I buy properties. I buy land. I buy whatever. Um, and this is the address. Are you interested in selling? Something super basic. So when it comes to copywriting postcards and and you know regular letter mailers, what do you suggest people put in those uh, the first yeah. touch? Yeah. So uh, so I don't think. All right. So I, I think people overthink this, and I because it's not. Um, I'll give you a few like three items that should be in there. But one thing I do want to state is I think people overthink this a little bit too much because there's not like anything that's you can say that's going to convince magic words. Yeah, Yeah, right. There's there's nothing that's going to convince somebody to sell first off. So like, yeah, I mean, we already know this. So no matter what you say, you can't do that. You can't change somebody's motivation on that. so list, so primarily, you know, 60 to 80% of the work and response is going to come from your list. Um, th- so the other items I would say though, to, to leverage is one is I, I would, I would today, these days include, um, a brand and URL in there. Mm. Uh, more people are, are Googling. I'm seeing from, for, for clients, for people and it's, it's, more people are going to the forums and filling out the forms or calling from from the site. So, so they're they're they see the letter and if they're a seller, right? That's the number one. If if they're a seller, um, 
they're skeptical. They're very skeptical of this. Because uh, I mean, it does, it does sound kind of scammy, you know, like if they've never gotten anything like this before and they're, and if they're in a market that, that they don't get a lot of this stuff um, or they don't see or pay attention to this stuff. Um, yeah, it looks scammy. So, so one, eliminating that skepticism and putting some kind of other omni-channel uh, marketing method, they go to your website, hopefully you have some a pixel in there for some retargeting and they fill out your form, at least you have, and you have a good, credible looking um, brand behind it. Uh, in the old, when I started doing it, the, the the rule of thumb was don't put a website. You want to look like the local guy. I get that, but I'm not. I'm just not seeing that in stats today. More people are skeptical than that. Like it's just so just getting a scammy letter like that. It just doesn't doesn't fly that well in most markets. Second of all, if you're in a market that um that really Northwest is one of them, especially especially out here in Idaho. If you're in a market that uh that really uh, prizes local locality. Like you know, doing business with with local people, I would really highlight that fact. I think that's in a lot of markets. In a lot of markets, people rather deal with the local person rather than the national um, investor coming in. So if you are a national investor, find ways you can say the word local if you have boots on the ground or something like that. And uh, so that's so that's an, and this, um, third of all, I would I would include the number one um, solution to to today's problem. So what I mean by that is, you know, you know, I don't like to have long, and we've tested long versus short. Short has, has always won. Doesn't mean that, that short win, that, that long doesn't win. And there's, maybe there's, maybe there's just an, an occasion or, or the way out I wrote the copy, but there's only so much I can say. So if I say, I'm going to buy your house, what else, what does that mean to the seller? What, so there's a whole lot, there's a, a ton of, ton of crap that, 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 that relates to right they can they means they can leave they can sell with all their stuff behind they can sell without uh having to deal with an agent uh without having to deal with open house all that all this minutiae several years ago um if you put you know if you're if you put on the letter cash you know like uh, i'm i'm gonna buy it with cash and you reinstated that talk about cash 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 offer that had less weight a few years ago because cash offers were a commodity Everybody on the MLS was giving out cash offers, right? So it wasn't that it wasn't something that really stood out. But if you put in um, no realtor fees, now that has that has a little bit more attention because um, because there's at that time um, the MLS is uh, there's a lot more pro, a lot more um, inventory on the MLS than there is today, and so the the appeal to hey I don't have to pay commission was a lot more appealing uh, than cash. Um, does that make sense so far, Gabe? So today, yeah, yeah. yeah today it would be if, if the market's slowing down in your market and days on market are creeping up here, for, uh, for example, uh, we're seeing uh, we're seeing days on market creep up, um, prices are a little bit falling, um, less buyers in the market. So those, so what's the solution? What does your cash offer give for that solution? And that's the one feature, one benefit that I would mention. I would just, you know, subtly mention this is what, this is what, what can happen. This is what it means for your, for your cash offer. So. Cool. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. Um, how about follow-up? I mean, we all know the, the gold is in the follow-up. If you, if you let leads just kind of hang out there, you're going to lose them. So what are your top tips? Like what are the first you know, the best things that people can do when they have already touched a list, um, how should they be following up with the lists that are, that have come in or the leads that have come in? Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole like, so 
I guess I can break it down to three things. That's how I usually do in webinars and podcasts. Just there's there's three things we can do. And there's three things that we we do with, with my brand, Omnidrip. And so uh, number one, like top level, like looking at 10,000 foot view is the buckets, the sequences, right? Everyone looks at it as just, oh, these are drip sequences. But I look at it as a total system of of how a lead flows through from beginning to end. We have phases. Everybody has a, a, a phase that they go through. Um, once a seller hits her system, what's the next thing? Well, the next thing is book an appointment. And uh, they haven't booked an appointment yet. So they're going to stay in this sequence. Maybe it's a missed call. Maybe it's a form filled. They're going to stay in the sequence until we book the appointment. They book an appointment. There's a sequence for that. And uh, I, I have a sequence for booked appointment because I'm a believer in pre-selling. Uh, and I, my clients have like talked about how they feel from using this. They they feel that um, it, it does help getting a seller more comfortable with the actual appointment and getting them ready. Um, it, once they book the appointment, if, if they miss the appointment, that's an obvious sequence. You miss the appointment. The reason why I break it up into these these all these events, little secrets. yeah yeah the events is one helps your lead manager keep track of you can easily look okay this person's in the miss, missed appointment sequence so the missed appointment and the copy can be driven for the next sale right there's in in um i once heard somebody um you know um talk uh give their grief about cold calling like they they're cold calling they can't find a deal cold calling but um the the problem with that is that the, you're not trying to find a deal when you're cold calling. All, all you're doing when you're cold calling is you're just looking for sellers. That's it. That's the first sale you have to make. You're not trying, you're not that there's a whole b- bunch of little sales you have to make before you even actually get to the deal. So as in marketing, we have all these little mini sales we have to make along the road. Um, so if they haven't, if, if they miss the appointment, then my sale, I have to, I have to drive them to is to reschedule. So, um, so yeah, so the copy is, is target focused and molded for that specific um uh, event uh so all these if, the, if they say that the offer is too low and, and it's a landlord boom I have a sequence there that that's specific for that event that that op, that um objection that they gave so all these so I, I have I have about 20 I have more than that we have about 25 in our in, in our database and um and that's what all these little um touch points for all types of different scenarios so Nice. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense to me. I mean, there's uh, all these small things that are, can occur, which will kind of change your strategy going forward, trying to get to that sale. Um, and you're right. Wait, what's the uh, what's the st- statistic? It's like you have to interact with somebody seven times before you the they're likely to sell to you, something like that. That's, um, yeah, that, that's the old statistic. It's it's like it's a lot more now. Than now that they're fine times, <laughs> a lot more. Let me give you this perspective. I have peers that. Um, uh, so I have a client deal with, he's in, in a print shop. They, they're a direct mail company for, for investors. We don't see somebody buy until, till four months later and on average. So three to four months. So we're doing, uh, paid ads. We're doing, and then once they get into, so once they're, they're on our email list, they're getting almost a daily email there. They're seeing ads on top of that. They may see some organic posts as well. That's, that's a shitload of posts. Excuse me. That's a shit. That's a ton of touches right there. I have a friend who who sells copywriting courses. He's really well known in the market. His name is Dan- Daniel Thrustle. He sells. He's uh, he just sells in the copywriting niche, and he doesn't see a sale on average until 120 emails, and he emails daily. So, um, so yeah. So it takes a lot more. Um, 
Yeah, so, 120 yeah. emails. That's a lot. That's more than I thought. Right. So <laughs> it goes uh, to show that you should be following up more than you think. Absolutely. Um, so I know that I even, you know, we, we don't do emails, but we usually just call, you know, we, we follow up with the sellers um, that we deal with on the phone and we've closed deals. I mean, we're in a uh, contract right now on a deal out in Georgia. Um, and I think we were following up with him for two years before he finally decided to, uh, you know, to sign and move forward. So yeah, you just got to keep, keep following up. That's the name of the game. Yeah. I don't think it's in the email or the SMS. I mean, we, I, I make sure that I include tasks for, for, I mean, a lot of people want to do ringless voicemail and I, my clients are really discreet. Like I, I've set them up with scripts. We, we do set them up with scripts that, that make sense for each sequence. And, um, and, uh, but they want to do ringless voicemail. I, I, I see it like this. If you're doing it, if you're actually calling the person and then leaving a message, you're actually, that's two touches. So, because if you, like, I don't even, me personally, I don't even check my, my voicemail. <laughs> I, I, it could be weeks until I actually check it. But if I get a missed call, that's one touch because I see it on my phone. I, I look at it as a touch. Oh, I see a missed call. And then this, this, the, the voicemail left is a second touch, right? So I, I look at it as a, a very omni-channel type of way. So if, if I leave a message, if I send a text message, an automated message, and for me, it's not just about like we, um, my philosophy, because I think a lot of investors struggle with what to say other than, hey, are you still interested in selling, right? That's, that's the biggest struggle. Like they can't get past that. And there's a whole bunch of stuff they can, if they go on my website and get the samples and get my demo, they'll see, they'll see what I mean. There's a whole list of things you can say that aren't just, hey, are you still looking to sell? Well, one of the things early on is I try to, um, we try to move them to other uh, assets. So uh, I deal with a lot of clients that have the online presence. So, hey, we we create these articles for them that fit the sequence, that fit what we're talking Like, So if the the, the seller says to you that, hey, they're just going to fix the house themselves, cool. We're going to give them some value. <clears throat> we're going to give them an article about how to fix what, what are the top five rehab items in, this, in the market today. Cool. Put that in an SMS message. It drives them to your to your um, site. That's two touches. They you got the message and they they hit your website. Now they're in your universe, in your world. And if you have a pixel on there for some for Facebook ad marketing, which is really easy, but other people can set it up for you. Now you're running multiple ads. Then now that's you know it could be a hundred touches. Uh, so yeah, big believer in all this because I want people to get into your universe and your world, not and for you not to for, uh, forget, so they don't forget you. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I always think um, you mentioned the pixel and the pixel, and then the Google tag. Those are the two things. If somebody ever asks, like, what are what's the biggest ROI I can get on my marketing budget? I always say, just put a pixel and a Google tag or Google Analytics on your website, and then just run some remarketing ads because it's so cheap. And those are the people that actually have shown interest. They've gone to your website. They've demonstrated that they have interest in engaging with your company. So. I like that you mentioned that. Um, I just took a peek at the clock. It looks like we have run it down. So it's time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? Yep, absolutely. Let's do it. It starts with books or any form of education. I need two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate or business specific. General life wisdom. Um, so I, I, I love reading. I, I love reading biographies. Um, but... I'm going to list off the book that I just constantly go to and I'm always reading. It's more, it's an audio book. There's no actual book, very old book. It's called um, The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. Oh, yeah. It's an old 
Yeah, yeah. So not old 1950s motivational speaker. Uh, love the guy. I love Stranger's Secret because it's short and I can attribute a lot of life changes to to that audio there. Yeah. Yeah, that I, I've never read it. Um, I've been given it like, you know, I've been given that book many times, but I haven't actually gotten through it. I've heard great things, though, so I should probably finish it up one of these days. Yeah. Um, and that leads us to the the no, that was a two part question. The real estate book. Um, give me one of those. Yeah. So I I think my favorite for real estate is Invest with Debt by Jimmy Napier. Um, that's, a, I think, a classic. It's it's what really drove me into note investing and getting started with with the financial calculator, understanding how to how to calculate these, uh, getting started into buying stuff, seller finance, selling stuff, seller finance. So um, selling notes as well. Um, if you want to ever sell partials of your notes and things like that, you can get some creative stuff, which is really awesome. So that's that's my favorite for real estate right now. Nice. Yeah, I have heard of that one before. Um, that does sound like a good one. I haven't, I haven't jumped into notes yet, but if I do, I'm definitely going to have to pick that book up. All right. Next question is about your business. Every uh, The three first positions that we hire form the foundation of our business. I forgot my own lead in there. The, three, uh, the first three positions you hire form the foundation of your business. What are they for you? And would you do it differently if you did it again today? You said hire, hiring positions are somebody to hire into? Yeah. So the first three positions you hire for your business, usually they uh, like form the foundation of what you're working yeah. on. So what were those three positions for you? And would you do it differently if you did it again today? Absolutely. Uh, so I, so VA who runs quote production. So production can be uh, moving things down the pipeline. Um, so I guess it depends on how you uh, structure your business, right? For me, um, for Omnidrip, it, I have a service base, so it's a production. So I, the VA is crucial to me um, and giving her in training, getting her trained, getting her, getting a, a, a Trello board, everything on how moving a, a lead down, down the line, the, the production line. That's how I see it. So VA has been crucial for me. Um, how I would do it differently. I think how I do it today is from my mistakes in the past. One is not letting, uh, not just handing something to a VA and hoping that they're going to do it right. They never do. They don't, like they never, they they don't. And so you need to have a way of doing things already in your mind and and, and putting down for them to understand. Yeah. So so you are yeah you cannot rely somebody to create your systems and processes for you. You got to create those from the beginning and then tweak them along the way. Um, so do not allow anybody to not just give it to somebody and trust and never verify. Yep. Yeah. That's why I love, um, not zoom. I like zoom too, but loom, I love loom uh, because it is, it's makes it so easy to make those, you know, little videos for VAs. Like, Hey, I want you to do this, run through it once yourself, record it with loom, send them the link and yeah, super easy. And make, and make checklists because every, almost everything you do can be broken down to a checklist. Mm. And so, and I have, I make a checklist and in those checklists, there's embedded videos, loom videos. um, And then they have to, on my, on my Trello boards, they have to check off for each lead for each client. They have to check off what they've done before they move that person to the next, next phase, next demo line. Yeah, I love that. Um, I also uh, Loom. Another th- reason I like Loom is they start their videos at one point two five or one point five or something like that speed. And so when you're watching it, you know, <laughs> I've noticed this when I send the link to my VA. Um, I'll look at the, the video and it's going super fast, and I'm like, that's actually useful because you know, watching this at one time speed is kind of boring. 
Um, but that's a, that's an aside there. Unless the guy, you know, talks like a maniac and is way too fast for you to. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did he just say? Uh, but yeah. All right. Next question is about the U.S. It's a big place. A lot of opportunity out there. Give me the single metro you're most excited about investing in today. Oh, uh, my own local town. That's yeah. I mean, yeah, I there's I think there's there's always a way to invest in local in your local town. Uh, Coeur d'Alene is a, is a vacation uh, rental place. So I we just moved here and we've been here for six, seven months now. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. So um yeah, I'm excited about uh, discovering the community and all that, and the rubbing elbows of people out here. But it's a, it is definitely a short-term rental. Um, that if you want to invest, that's the name of the game out here. So, um, so there's ways to invest in your every market. It's just got to figure out what's what is the way that's that works the best. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yep. All right, and this is a this is a good question for you. Um, it all starts with finding the deal. So, what is your favorite way to find good deals? Oh, I, that's, I guess that's hard to, to, you know, cause I'm not in the game today and probably in for land, it was, uh, it was mail a hundred percent. That was just, yeah, we, we had that nailed down. Um, if I were to get back into it today, I mean, if it wasn't land, if it was land, it was, yeah, it would be mail. It'd be mail and it'd be in a combination of digital and all that. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that there's, so let me, let me, I'm running out of time here, but I don't, I don't think people should focus on one way of, of, of marketing. I, I think that's, there's this whole, this whole thing, this whole saying, you know, um, one of anything is really dangerous. So, uh, so having that bottleneck there, right. SMS has been really on the news lately because, uh, it's making it difficult for people to cold SMS. So if you're just doing a cold SMS, you're, you're playing a really dangerous game. So I don't believe in having just, just one way of doing things. Sure. When you start out, do one thing. But learn how to get, get find leads and other other methods as well. So, cool. Yep, that makes sense. All right, that leads us to the last question. This is for the listeners. You've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure people want to reach out, learn a little bit about what you guys do over there um, with your with your marketing company. So, what is the best way for them to reach out and get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just go to www.reiomnitrip.com. Uh, you can get samples and get a demo of what we do, of what I do. Um, yeah. And you can email me straight from that website too, and I'll respond. Cool. And that is REI Omni Drip. I will put that link in the show notes. If you guys want to reach out, just go ahead and click a little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description in there. You can find Paul's links. All right, Paul, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. All right, Gabe. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Absolutely. it. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions, reach out to me, Gabe at the real estate investing club.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is you give us a like, subscribe, share all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company Kaizen Properties is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, 
go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.